Welcome to this week's rendition of the Bama Factor with Alex Taylor and Cody Saxon. I'm your, once again, Alex Taylor, and uh, joined by Cody Saxon. Cody, how you doing? I am doing okay, my friend. A lot of stuff we got to talk about this week. The end of the season, next season, some of our players, some of what we're looking at going into the postseason as far as our games, as far as the playoffs. So let's go ahead and dig into it. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, so some actually breaking news that just broke uh, in the last uh, couple hours and one in just the last hour. Um, wide receiver Jermaine Burton has announced that he is returning to the capstone for his senior season. So we've seen a lot of transfers that we're fixing to talk about kind of in the portal. But so this is some good news to see Jermaine Burton coming back for next season. I think with the right offensive coordinator will be good and uh, earlier this week, Will Anderson won the Nagurski Award uh, for the best defensive player in college football. And tonight, he won the Lombardi Award for the best linebacker in college football. So, congratulations to Will Anderson. And, he's, and he is also up for the Chuck Bednarik Award as well. So, hopefully, he can bring that home. So, very good to hear those two things uh, to kick off the show that we just heard today. So, yeah, just hopping right into it. So, uh, first segment, um, talking about the transfer portal and NIL, if it's good or bad for college football. Um, you know, transfer portal window opened up uh, officially on Monday. Uh, it'll be open till uh, I believe, a little after January. Uh, it gives players the opportunity to transfer schools. Um, if you've already transferred within the conference, just a little insight here. If you've already transferred within the conference, um, you can't transfer twice within the conference, uh, and um, but you are allowed to transfer um, within the conference if you haven't yet. Eli Ricks took advantage of that last year, as did Jermaine Burton coming from Georgia, Eli coming from LSU, uh, Tyler Steen coming from Vanderbilt. So we got three guys in conference last year, Henry Toa Toa the year prior against Tennessee. But as of right now, Alabama has 12 players in the portal. Uh, all of them seem to have entered either on Monday or the week prior and officially entered on Monday, uh, but Alabama hasn't had any more these next um, two days. Um, so kind of the first question we're going to dig into with these 12 players in the portal, uh, is these guys leaving a good thing, and are we cleaning house? So, Mr. Saxon, getting your opinion on this, do you think these guys that are leaving is a good thing, and do you think that this could be potentially cleaning house, and because it's a depth purposes, the recruiting class coming in, like kind of what do you see? on this side of things. Well, I definitely think kind of going back, we talked a little bit about this with our coaches. I definitely like players, coaches, staff, anybody from the top down that are going to invest in the program long-term. I do think kind of touching on a little bit, what you said a second ago about NIL and the trade portal, the transfer portal, not trade portal, the transfer portal, uh, hurting a little bit. I do think it incentivizes people to not, have that kind of loyalty and that kind of investment in a program. However, I do think that the players having more options, having more responsibility, people who maybe stick their toes in the water and decide, hey, this is my home. This is where I belong. This is the best chance I have. Kind of like what you're talking about. Saying. So I think, I think it's got its pros and cons, but I do think, however, that the players that either test it and decide to remain home or – the ones that do test it and end up leaving, I do think that in the end we're going to have the right players. I think we're going to have the people who want to be here. I think we're going to have the people who are going to want to invest long-term. 
Um, and even if they're not long-term, even if they transfer here, they, I hope that they see it as an opportunity to invest in the program, in the success, in the dynasty. Now, having said all that, I do think that Alabama has some of the best recruiting in the country uh, that's tested year in, year out. I think that we have depth that we don't really see a whole lot of every season because a lot of guys don't really get a lot of playing time until sometimes towards the end of their career in college. So sometimes junior seniors are just seeing their first few minutes on the field because of the depth we have. So I do think that Alabama is a very strong program, a very deep program, and one of the highest recruiting programs. So having said all that, I don't panic when I see guys leaving. I don't panic when I see juniors opting to go to the NFL. I don't panic when I see guys sticking their – you know, kind of getting their feet wet in the transfer portal. It doesn't make me panic because I do think in the end we are going to have depth. We are going to have the people who are wanting to invest. Yeah, I do too, um, you know, because I just saw so many people freaking out. You know, of course, we went live uh, earlier this week kind of talking about it because so many people were saying, you oh, know, Alabama's done, something's going on in Tuscaloosa. There's some locker room problems, you know, what's going on. And, you know, there's no problem in Tuscaloosa. I mean, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, with the transfer portal – now, you know, broadcasted the way that it is now, and it's open and the window's open for so long. This has happened to the Tide every single year. It just hasn't been broadcasted on a stage like this because the portal hasn't existed except for the last, uh, you know, two to three years. But now it's just really a big thing because now there's a window now that uh, players can enter. So, I mean, and definitely some of these guys leaving, I think it's a good thing for those guys' careers. You know, they want to finish their career somewhere else. You know, they want to – and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they got to do what's, you know, in their, you know, best interest. And, and you know, they have to um, they have to make that career choice for themselves. Uh, but, you know, some of these guys, you know, that have been in the transfer portal for us, you know, have been here at the Capstone for three to four years and still have some eligibility left and they've hardly seen the field. So, you know, you may be a four star or five star recruit coming out of high school, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be guaranteed starting spot. You know, Saban's always kind of preached that, you know. And, you know, Julio Jones was kind of the first person to say, it. you know, you come to Alabama, you're going to have to compete. It don't matter what your caliber is. It don't matter what you did in high school. It don't matter if you were the best player on your team in the state, in your area or in the country. You know, you're still going to have to compete because it's Alabama. You know, that's what you got to come here for because, you know, iron's going to sharpen iron. And, you know, that's what um, the Crimson Tide does for sure. But I really think that one of the things really coming in is just the recruiting class that's coming in because I think some of these guys are seeing the recruits that are coming in and thinking, well, I've been here for three to four years. This recruiting class coming in is very locked in, very motivated. So I may not even get any playing time over some of these freshmen coming in. Because, I mean, freshmen these days in college football are just really – they're really dynamic now. Like, because usually, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you hardly saw any freshmen really play. I mean, you would have a standout freshman here on a team, a standout freshman there. But, I mean, this year at Alabama, I mean, just in the wide receiver core, I mean – you look at Isaiah Bond and Kobe Prentice and Kendrick Law and Shaz Preston and, you know, all these other guys, you know, making appearances in there. Not to mention, you know, you had Tyler Booker on the line playing. And, you know, you had Jamarian Miller carrying the ball too. And, you know, he scored three touchdowns on the year. So, I mean, you had a lot of freshmen play. And, you know, Jaheim Otis on the other side of the ball. So, I mean, this is probably the most freshmen that Saban's had play in a year. And it's because they're so good coming out of high school and they can change the game. So, this recruiting class coming in is going to be special. And, uh, you know, of course, we'll do a podcast on that uh, next week, um, hopefully. So I just really think that's good. And then also, Cody, I want to get your opinion on this. 
There's over 1,300 players in the portal right now. It's been open for three days. And I did a little research based on last year's. 65% of those players will not find another team to play for. And they'll just be sitting out there not playing football next year. So do you think it's a smart decision to go to the portal? Or do you think if you have an opportunity to come back and compete and work that you should stay and you should try to grind out? Yeah, I really think it depends on your program. I mean, he, here's here's the fact of the matter, and I don't, I haven't looked as deep into those stats as you have, like the sixty five percent. I haven't looked at that, but I can guarantee that the majority of that sixty five percent weren't SEC players sitting out there in the portal. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you've got a Georgia player, or you got a Bama player, or you got an LSU, in any of the big, I'm gonna say big dogs in the SEC, any of the consistently decent or good teams in the SEC. If any of those players enter the portal, there's a high po- probability they're going to get picked up by a Colorado or a, you know, na- you name it. Somebody out there that needs a player that's going to put them, they're not even going to have to compete. They're just going to put them out there starting because they're going to have dog water competition at a dog water school and they'll probably shine. And hey, they might make it to the NFL and they might end up being a great player. However, I think that those players that aren't top dogs, that aren't top tier players playing for, top-tier schools who haven't established themselves, they are taking a huge risk by putting their name out there, potentially sitting out there in this purgatory of sense, like not being able to put it all. If they had just stayed put and invested, they could have made their program great, could have made themselves great. Yeah, maybe not got as much TV time, maybe not got as much exposure because they are competitive or maybe because, you know, whatever reason it might be. I get the risk. I understand it. But at the same time, you really got to weigh and choose, you know, what's more worth it investing here and potentially, you know, leading my team to a conference or a or national championship or moving out somewhere where, yeah, we're probably going to go 500, but I'm going to get extreme exposure and potentially further my career. I get both sides of it, but there is a huge risk, like you said. Yeah, there is. Cause I mean, if I saw that statistic from last year, I mean, there was over 9,000 guys in the portal last year from a, article I read and 68% of those last year didn't find anything. So, I mean, you know, half of that already is 4,500. So, I mean, just take, you know, another 18% of that. I mean, you know, so you're looking upwards closer to six grand of 6,000 guys out of 9,000. So out of 9,000, 3,000 guys found a different team, but 6,000 didn't find one. And that's just a huge risk. If I look at that, you know, if I can stay and grind it out and compete, then, you know, that's that's uh, great. But, yeah, again, um, so this is uh, this is the new era of college football. So it's almost like free agency in college football now. So now jumping to our second segment, uh, we're not going to go too deep into this because we don't want to take anything away from our podcast before this game. But we're going to preview the postseason just a little bit. Um, so as everybody knows, um, Alabama 10-2 this season – uh, two plays away from really changing their season, a field goal and a two-point conversion on the last plays of the game. Um, no time left on the clock. And Alabama still came in at number five in the CFP. Um, Ohio State, of course, uh, got in over Alabama with TCU three, Michigan two, Georgia one. That is your college football playoff that is set. Uh, but Alabama still getting a very prestigious um, postseason game going to play the Big 12 champ, Kansas State, that took down TCU last Saturday in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans on December 31st. That is an 11 a.m. kickoff. Alabama's second 11 a.m. kickoff of the year. The first one was Texas in week two. Um, 
But honestly, uh, this is an opportunity for the Tide to really spring into 2023 uh, to really finish the year strong. I mean, you got an opportunity to win 11 games. You got an opportunity to win um, a New Year's Six game. Uh, you've got an opportunity to uh, get some of these guys because now you've had 12 guys transfer. So, you know, and one of them is a starter and holding kind of – he was a rotational guy in the receiver core. But you got opportunity for these guys, like Saban said, you got an opportunity to create value for yourself. You have a chance to um, obviously compete and get better. Um, and, you know, Bryce and Will Anderson, uh, as of right now, are still playing in that game. Um they have an opportunity to go out winners, you know, to really cement their legacy here at the Capstone. So um, I think this is a good opportunity for Alabama. I mean, it's a good consolation game when this is your worst finish in 10 years. And if your worst finish is five and on the outside looking in of the college football playoff, I think any other team in America would absolutely kill to have a season like that. Yeah, man, I agree. I think that uh, obviously – like you, like we've talked about in many episodes in these, you know, throughout the, the weeks that we've been doing this, the the standard has always been to get to the national championship and to win it um, at and at least to secure the SEC championship. Unfortunately, we, we're not going to be able to do either one of those this year. Um, that's a hard thing to swallow for a team that is consistently in both of those games. However, like you said, this is definitely a way to end the season on a positive note, take it into next season, potentially open some doors for, you know, some of the other players that we haven't seen as much this season. But at the same time, um, let's not talk about it like it is over, like we have won. Uh, we saw what Kansas State was able to do. However, I definitely think that, you know, TCU and Alabama are two very different teams. And I think that uh, I think that in this game, Kansas State's going to be putting it all out there. They're coming off of a win. They've got momentum. We are as well, but they're coming off a more recent win against a top four, somehow still a top four. Uh, school, and I do think that they do have the motivation to go out there and put on and show out. However, I think that if Alabama can keep the discipline they had at Auburn, a tighten down on defense just a little bit and kind of go into this game with that same momentum and play like this is for the national championship. That's what it's going to have to be. Um, for, for teams like Kansas State, for schools like Kansas State, this is as close to a national championship as they usually get um, is a bowl game, especially a big bowl game, like you said, a, a New Year's you know game. So I think this is a a huge deal for both teams, but if Alabama come out with that intensity and that you know that ferocity that they play when they uh, when they are playing for the game that they're so used to playing, hopefully we can find that. And hopefully, as of now, you know, like you said, as of now and moving forward, Bryce and Will are going to play, um, and God willing, everybody healthy. It, it's going to be something to see. I agree, and um, you know, kind of like you said, you know, especially uh, something else about Kansas State. You know, Kansas State and TCU were given the second to worst and the worst odds to win the Big 12 this season. And they got to the title game and Kansas State won it. So, you know, Kansas State had the second to worst odds to win their conference this year. And they did it. So they proved a lot of people wrong this year. They have a very good running back in Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Adrian Martinez, their quarterback, didn't play in the Big 12 title game. But as far as I know, I think he might be good for the Sugar Bowl. So he's a very capable quarterback. He's a good runner. Um you know, they have a very quick defense as well. I mean, you know, they've won 10 games this year. You know, they're 10-3 and three this year, you know, coming off the conference title. So, they will have a motivation. And, you know, you've got a chance. I mean, as Kansas State, you know, you got a chance like, you know, we talked about in previous weeks. you got a chance to come at the King. I mean, you know, you've got a chance to come at the standard and win yourself a Sugar Bowl. I don't remember the last time Kansas State was 
in, you know, a meaningful postseason game. And But, you know, this is definitely prestigious for Alabama. You know, this is their 17th appearance in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of great um, moments in the Sugar Bowl. You know, the last time uh, that uh, the Crimson Tide were fortunate to play in the Sugar Bowl, uh, I actually got to go to uh, January the 1st, 2018, uh, against Clemson in the college football playoff, and we squeaked in at four, and uh, we beat Clemson 24-6 to six that night. Uh, great game that night, obviously on way to a national title uh, that year. And, um, you know, Alabama's had a lot of good moments uh, elsewhere in the Sugar Bowl, you know, 1978 goal line stand. Um, and the thing that I love about that, is uh, Barry Krause, who I have had the privilege to actually get to talk to and get my picture taken with, get some autographs from him. Uh, he was the one, he was the linebacker who stopped uh, Mike Gooman, um, the Penn State tailback, on that play. And Penn State was on the goal line um, trying to win the game, and they ran the first play, didn't get in. The second play, didn't get in. And the third play, they ran it again, didn't get in. And Barry Krause looked at Penn State's quarterback and said, all I'm going to say is you better throw the ball. He says, you better throw the ball. Well, Penn State didn't listen. Mike Gooman tried to go over the top, and Krause had him at the peak, hit him back, and he came nowhere close, and it was goal line stand, and that cemented Alabama's and Coach Bryant's fifth uh, national title at Alabama. Of course, they would win it the next year, too, over Arkansas um, in impressive fashion, too. But, you know, Alabama went to the Sugar Bowl a lot back in the 60s and 70s. I mean, obviously, this is their 17th appearance. Um you know, I think they've won about 13 of them. So, you know, to go to a that prestigious of a bowl game, you know, 16 times and have 13 wins, I mean, and just lose three of them, you know, that's pretty uh, impressive for that. So very glad to see these guys back in the uh, Sugar Bowl. It's kind of a consolation prize for uh, this year. Um, not much to touch on recruiting. Um, uh, you know, Alabama's still holding uh, steady at one. Uh, some potential flips that could be coming. Uh, Caden Proctor, offensive tackle, um, five-star, the number one offensive tackle in the class who's committed to Iowa. Heard he could be a potential flip. Uh, heard today the number one corner in the class, Cormani McLean, uh, committed to Miami, currently could be a flip. He's taking an official visit to Alabama December the 9th through the 11th, so two days he will be on the capstone. Um, so really not much else has changed. All these other guys are pretty solidified. Friday, so uh, really looking, looking forward uh, to early signing period uh, as well. Uh, so now we're going to get to our last segment, a little short this week, but uh, Cody and I talked about this uh, a couple weeks back, and uh, we thought this would be kind of a neat podcast to do, but uh, these are the first ever Bama Factor Awards, and uh, this is something that, you know, um, we put polls out on the um, on the page today. Uh, you, the fans, and the followers voted on all these uh, categories. Uh, so we're going to talk uh, kind of in-depth about three of the more important ones, but uh, we're going to kind of go through the other ones pretty quick. So we're going to start with some of the lesser ones um, first, the ones we can kind of go through. So um, we'll start with freshman of the year. Uh, you know, this was goes to the most outstanding freshman who had the uh, greatest impact this year. And you, the fans, have voted Jaheim Otis as the freshman uh, of the year. And I have to agree with that. He was a force uh, on the line for the, uh, you know, for the defense this year. And uh, just his size, the way he dropped his weight in the offseason from 400 pounds all the way down to 360. Um, huge guy, and just uh, he's going to be good in the future. So 
Yeah, hundred percent. I and that was the problem. Honestly, of all the polls out uh, that we put out today, that was the easiest one for me to vote for, in my opinion. Just being honest, like I think he, the way he performed, the way he was able, like you said, the weight, everything. He that man played and trained with a chip on his shoulder to earn his spot and earn his keep. He definitely, for a freshman to make the impact he had, he earned it, man. And I do think moving forward, he's going to be a huge asset for us on defense. He is. He is for sure. All right, moving to the next award. Uh, This is under the radar offense. Uh, This goes – uh, to the player that maybe uh, kind of flew every uh, kind of flew uh, a little bit kind of was that sleeper on the year and kind of you know people didn't really expect him to have a, a huge year but kind of came on uh, at some point in the season and kind of became you know a workhorse in the season and you the fans have voted Jace McClellan under the radar uh, player for the offense this year and I have to agree with that Jace from really about the LSU game on started running hard um Ole Miss, he ran very hard when Gibbs went down. Austin P had over 156 yards. Auburn had a good game. Really making a case for running back one next year. Yeah, I agree. I think – and I've been saying it. There was a point in the season where I started to wonder, like, like I think that his impact plays were more in sync with the offensive play calling. Um, I do think that Gibbs had an unfortunate uh, – he wasn't – his talent and skill wasn't capitalized on the way I hope to see. However, McClellan did show up in some big moments in some big games that helped kind of clean up a little bit of what was uh, was not being taken advantage of, you know, coordinating-wise. But, yeah, that dude, McClellan definitely showed up and showed out for, for many games, many plays. And it wasn't necessarily reflected in his yards and his stats. But, if you know, if you watched the game, you saw how much of a workhorse he was and was able to accomplish. Very much so, and I'm looking forward to seeing him next year. All right, so now flipping to the other side of the ball, uh, same category, under the radar on the defensive side of the ball, same thing, guy who kind of became an unsung hero, got some playing time and kind of became uh, – and kind of got better as the year went on, kind of was that sleeper to start the year. And you, the fans, voted inside linebacker Deontay Lawson, uh, started the Iron Bowl, uh, started against Ole Miss, uh, as well, and when Jalen Moody went down, he also started uh, against Texas A&M as well. So, um, really enjoyed seeing this guy. He was a freshman last year from Mobile Christian, um, played some last year, but really this year kind of came into his own. Um, we saw flashes of what he can really become. He looks like, especially with Toa Toa and Jalen Moody moving on to the NFL more than likely, um, we really saw Lawson in these last couple games kind of really take the bull by the horn, so to speak and uh, really show that he's making a case to be one of the starting inside linebackers for this upcoming year. So I was very impressed with the play I saw from him. He had good gap play, good sideline to sideline play, good tackling for him. I think he's going to be a good asset. Yeah, I agree 100%. For as little play, as little play as he did get uh, to be able to, you know, put up the numbers he did and impact the plays, impact the team. And yeah, I think he seemed, he seemed very uh, – in sync and cohesive with his, you know, surrounding teammates. I think that's huge moving forward too. It is. You always want to have that um, communication uh, on key with your teammates. So now going back to the offensive side of the ball, the best offensive lineman of the year, this goes to the one who played with the most consistency, uh, who was the best blocker. Uh, and just, um, I mean, just overall, just one of your best offensive linemen overall in every category. Uh, this one was close guys. Uh, I will say this and, th- and Cody, this is how close this one was. I had Tyler Steen, um, Ekior Jr., Seth McLaughlin, and uh, J.C. Latham. 
And it was like 25%, 26%, 20, uh, 5%, and 28%. Like, so all these were very close, but Seth McLaughlin are who the fans voted for, the center, uh, former three-star recruit. Um, and I'll say when Seth started on the line from last year when he came in for Dow Court in the Iron Bowl all the way through the playoffs, it seems like the run game improved tremendously when Seth was in there. He's a great run blocker. I feel like he's a great uh, signal caller on the line as well. Uh, gets the line communicating very well. I just think he's got very good instincts. And, you know, your caliber of star can only tell you so much, but for him to be a three-star, he sure doesn't play like a three-star. I think he plays more like a five-star. You know, with him being a junior next year, he's only a sophomore this year. So, I mean, with him being a junior next year, the the I mean, the sky is the limit for this guy. Yeah, I have to say I agree. And And when it comes down to it, it was for me. It was really hard to isolate any single offensive lineman because of uh, s- some of the play call. I, I don't want to cast all of the blame on our offensive coordinator and the coaching staff, but it does seem like that was a big thing, consistency wise. I know passing, Bryce struggled a lot, getting under pressure, having to create plays on his feet. Sometimes that was a lack of protection, and sometimes that was just poor play calling, not getting guys open. And I do think that had a lot to do with the intensity we were playing with overall as a team, player wise. However, uh, I do think that the fans spoke, and I do think it was close, and how close it was just goes to show how much potential all of the guys on the line have. Exactly. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be very good next year uh, as well. So now, so now switching over to the other line, defensive lineman of the year, obviously uh, the guy who played with the most consistency, uh, created some of the most pressures, um, was just a disruptor in the game. And uh, this one wasn't close at all. Uh, this guy took home sixty-eight percent of the votes, um, but it goes to but it goes to Mister Young, not Bryce Young, but it would be Byron Young from Mississippi, the senior. Uh, and speaking of that, he had his coming out game against Ole Miss on his return home. Uh, Twelve total tackles, uh, eight solo, two sacks, four for a loss. Um, Young has just been a um, a disruptive force all year and really ever since he stepped foot on the cap zone. I mean, Young is kind of one of those guys who you look at and, you know, he's a four-star coming out of high school. You know, his first year when he started as a freshman, kind of struggled, kind of going into blocks, but then came back this year, got his technique right, and I think he increased his draft stock, really. I mean, because there's a lot of NFL scouts who have taken notice of him, and uh, he's he's um. He's really, really, really uh, started to come along. I wish he would use his COVID year and come back. It'd be awesome if he did, because I think right now he's kind of a third-round pick. Why not come back one more year and try to get you a second or a first-round pick? I'm just saying, but that's just me. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you, dude. And that'd be dope if that would if he could use that if he would use that. Um, but yeah, no, no, for sure, definitely. Uh, I think the fans spoke. It just goes to show how. Uh, how outstanding he played literally that's probably the best word to use is outstanding he stood out um all season so definitely uh with that Ole Miss was you know definitely the game to see and and it it, I could tell there was an extra weight um on his shoulders that day so yeah but he showed up and and really performed well this season and stood out yes he did and now going back to the offensive side of the ball the best running back this year uh, this did not surprise me uh, at all. Obviously, the best tailback who had the best season, not only statistically speaking, but just uh, the dynamic playability. 
And this one took the gold over uh, a lot of, of, of the three other guys who were up for it. And Jameer Gibbs is who the fans voted for. I have to agree. Uh, especially the Arkansas game, 206 yards rushing, uh, rushing two touchdowns. Um, hated that he wasn't utilized more in the way that he should be, but um, led our team in receiving, I believe, or he was behind Jermaine Burton. He was just barely behind him. Uh, I know, I think he led our team in receptions, though. Um, so proved how versatile he could be. And from what I've been hearing, he's 50-50 on either going or staying. So uh, if he stayed, it'd be pretty big. Um, I think it'd be really big if he stayed. But uh, if he goes, I don't blame him. Um, you know, he's prepared for the NFL. He's built for the NFL. He's got the acceleration. He's got the speed. He's got the strength. Uh, he's got the shiftiness. So um, really no surprise here that it was uh, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, and, and I've been really praising him all season. Uh, kind of, I've compared him to Trent Richardson. I've compared him to some other guys from the past. But, yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, we didn't see him utilized necessarily as much as we could have. But he still performed, and I think he was still consistently uh, – even in the games – I mean, there were some games where he barely had any yards, but even then, I think his ability to be versatile helped open up other windows on the field, which is a big part of the game too. So I think overall, yeah, without a doubt, he, he did stick out um, as far as impactful you know running backs that we had. All right. Yes, he did. And now switching over to the other side of the ball, the best linebacker for the year. This one was a absolute runaway with it. Uh, Will Anderson, uh, of course, and uh, speaks for itself. Uh, you know, guy's a disruptor. He's the Terminator. Uh, probably going to be – could be the top pick in the draft. Definitely a top five pick. Going to have a long NFL career. So, you know, he kind of speaks for himself. Yeah. Um, this is actually one where I had trouble um, just for me. I think that based, you know me, I'm a stats guy. Of course. I, also, I also look at impact impact players. Um, sometimes the guys who get the least credit or the least recognition are guys that had some of the biggest impact on the game. And for me, Will Anderson obviously is known throughout the country, all of college football, as one of, if not the best, college linebacker. However, I will throw a huge shout-out to Henry Toa um, the numbers he put up this season, I mean, 89 total tackles, 43 solo. Um, yeah, he didn't get to the quarterback as much as, as Will Anderson did. But, um, I mean, almost double the solo tackles, almost double the assisted tackles. Um, only two and a half sacks compared to the 10 that Will Anderson had. But still, the impact he had on the game um, – if it weren't for his plays, very three, some two, three, four, five, six yard plays could have been 20, 30 yard plays. So huge shout out to him. Uh, absolutely uh, earned, earned respect for the, from the team. And I think from a lot of the fans too. So I'll just shout him out. But yeah, Will Anderson, definitely a unit and definitely, uh, you know, is, is recognized as one of the best. Oh yeah. And I, and I mean, like, I can never see your argument on toe toe as well. Uh, having a lot of those plays. Now switching back to offense, uh, the best wide receiver. Um, this one was kind of a um, kind of a runaway towards the end, but uh, you, the fans, have voted Ja'Cory Brooks uh, the best wide receiver for this season, um, and with a unit that kind of left a little more to be desired um, this year. But uh, hopefully, I think our receiver coach is fixing to be on his way out, um, and you know we will get one in there that can develop these guys. But Ja'Cory Brooks uh, seemed to be at the right place at the right time a lot this year. Um, 
he was able to get open consistently. Um, only two drops on the year, and I think each of those were in the first two games. Uh, came up clutch against Texas. Had a great game against Vanderbilt. Good game against Auburn. Um, LSU came up clutch. Um, Tennessee came up clutch. I mean, he was. I mean, Ole Miss came in clutch. I mean, so he was kind of the go-to guy in the clutch moments, and he was the guy who kind of answered the call and said, you know, hey, I'll be the guy. From the guy who answered the call in the Iron Bowl in 2021, and you know, caught the game tying touchdown pass, um, speaks a lot for him. So, Jacory Brooks, I'd say I'd have to agree. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, like like you said, uh, I, going back to stats too, I think his stats show it. I think his impact on the game showed it. His uh, ability to create. I mean, we talk about when Bryce would drop back and have to create plays. That's great on Bryce for having that, but also receivers having to kind of redirect um, and create opportunity for him as well. Definitely showed out in that aspect as well. He definitely did. He definitely did. Now, switching back again to the other side of the ball, the best defensive back of the year. Uh, this one was also a runaway as well. I think a lot of people have come to love this guy, as have I, and just what a year he had, the most consistent of any guy uh, at this position. But Kool-Aid McKinstry uh, takes home this award uh, this year. And, I mean, had the highest cornerback uh, grade of anybody in college football this year, had the most swatted passes, um, the average QBR when thrown against him was 16.8 this year, one of the lowest in college football. And pro football focus rated him the number one cornerback in uh, college football this year. And he's only a sophomore. So Kool-Aid McKinstry takes home. I definitely agree with that. This guy came into his own and was also pretty, pretty, pretty shifty on some punt returns this year too. Yeah, that's – I mean, I was going to touch on that a little bit too. He – let's just – yeah, led the country in so many different stats. Uh, like you talk about passes swatted, um, just overall, even pro even pro recognition, talking about him being the best. Um, but, yeah, dude, on, on the receiving, you know me, I was always – you know, Javier Arenas was one of my favorite players back in the day, and we saw how shifty he was on uh, return plays as well. So, definitely shades of that um, – but, yeah, dude, all around, great player, phenomenal player, and he's young, and he's got all the potential in the world to continue to be great. Yes, he does. And now moving into some of the awards uh, not position-related, um, the most inspiring player, and uh, this was also a runaway, and uh, I agree with this wholeheartedly, and Bryce Young takes home the most inspiring player. I think after the year he had getting hurt, supporting Jalen Milrow, being Jalen's biggest cheerleader, Coming back against Tennessee, still hurt, throwing for 400 yards. Going on the road to LSU, still hurt, throwing. Struggling some, but still creating magical moments, scrambling out of the pocket, finding Ja'Cory Brooks, trying to lead his team back. And the Auburn performance, the Ole Miss performance, and he's just inspiring. He always has a smile on his face. He knows where his talent comes from. He gives all the glory and credit back to God. So, definitely the most inspiring player, Bryce Young. Agree with it wholeheartedly. Yeah, I do too. I know I've been a little hard on him this season. Um, before and after the injury, um, and I'm, it's no, it's no doubt that you know even though um, comparisons to the two seasons, his last two seasons, I do think overcoming the injury, performing, getting back on the horse, taking the losses on the chin, and still putting up the numbers he did, and still leading and, and inspiring the team through the adversity, and then turning around and having a great into the season um, against Auburn, also putting up great stats in that game as well. Yeah, 100% inspired me. Respect to him, respect to what he's done for the program and the impact he's had on the team, you know, on the field and off. 
I agree in, entirely. So now we're going to be moving on to two of my, probably my favorite categories, uh, the moment of the year uh, to start the first one. So uh, the, the uh, four that were up for this um, was the comeback against Texas, the goal line stop to win the game against Texas A&M, uh, the uh, comeback against uh, Ole Miss, and the beatdown in the Iron Bowl uh, as well. So um, this one took the gold, and uh, to my liking and my satisfaction, the Iron Bowl beatdown won the moment of the year, and I agree with this. Cody Saxon and I were in attendance. Always beautiful to see us um, – wreck Auburn's season and uh, keep them from going to the postseason. So I have to agree with it. Yeah, I agree as well. I think, uh, first of all, the Texas one wasn't – that to me, that wasn't no moment. That's stressful. <laughs> that, that, opening out the gate with that was definitely stressful for me. Yeah, de- definitely persevered through the adversity that we were not expecting. But, uh, yeah, I think that the Alabama-Auburn uh, – you know, the Iron Bowl, always a classic, first of all. Even when it is a beatdown, there's so much hype around it in the southeast and really in the whole country. But I think Alabama's ability to really outshine Auburn um, coming out of kind of a bumpy season and a bumpy few games, um, kind of pushing through. But, yeah, dude, definitely, definitely got to, getting to see it in person was special, getting the whole environment. So when I voted for that one, I definitely had some bias because I was in attendance with such uh, – with such a fiery Alabama crowd as always, and Brian Denny in a great environment and just all around, just a gr- great game. Oh, yeah, obviously. And uh, I'm sorry, I misspoke on one of the moment of the year um, categories that was up for it. The other one that I got wrong was uh, Jalen uh, Milrow coming in against Arkansas. Also a very good, um, just a very good uh, performance there too. Um but now going to the performance of the year, your nominees were Bryce's performance versus Auburn, Will Anderson's performance versus Texas A&M, Gibbs against Arkansas, and Corey Brooks versus Vanderbilt as well. And this one was very close. I will go ahead and tell you, this was separated by only eight votes. And um, it came down between Bryce uh, versus Auburn and Gibbs against Arkansas. But Bryce versus Auburn edged out Gibbs against Arkansas and uh, this one was tough for me because, you know, Gibbs kind of had his coming out party against Arkansas when Bryce went down, you know, 25 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns, had long runs of 72 and 77 um, on some drives to really uh, end the game. But Bryce against Auburn, I think it was just the fact that he scored five total touchdowns. I think it was the fact that uh, – I think it was the fact that, you know, it was his last game more than likely in Tuscaloosa – he went out a winner. You beat your rivals. So, I have to agree that the performance of the year had to go to Bryce against Auburn. Yeah, I also think there's a lot playing into that as well. I think that, like, the fact that he did overcome such adversity through the injury, um, through the losses, being able to show up to that game and put on the performance he did and be as productive as he was. Um, yeah, 100%. I agree with it. Uh, that is the vote that I put in as well. So, yeah, 100%. Yes, definitely that. And now getting to our last three awards, which are our largest ones uh, on here, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, uh, the two we'll go over. So offensive MVP, uh, those of you that voted, you the fans, um, overwhelmingly 339 votes for Bryce Young, carrying 79% of the vote, have to agree, most inspiring player of the year, 
the uh, just overall glue of the team and, you know, just how he performed. You know, we can talk about him all night, but, you know, just how he performed. Uh, and, you know, it goes without saying, you know, just the special moments he created, his attitude, his leadership. Um, you know, so offensive MVP, he definitely gets – I mean, he definitely gets mine as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I said earlier, I was hard on him, but in the end, throughout the whole season, um, consistently – uh, consistently battling through, consistently creating opportunities sometimes when there wasn't. So uh, definitely proud of him. Definitely earned that MVP position. Definitely so. And now switching to the other side, also with 328 votes, carrying 75% of the vote defensive MVP. Will Anderson on the year. And again, the Terminator disruptive force uh, was in the backfield almost every play. Uh, double team, triple team this year. That's why stats kind of look like they did. But in the two years, I mean, having what he had, you know, I mean, just the total tackles for loss, the sacks, just the disruptive plays, um, you know, uh, I mean, obviously the winner of not only the Nagurski, but the Lombardi, potentially the Bednarik, SEC Defensive Player of the Year for the second year in a row, All-American, All-SEC. So, I mean, just decorated guy and just a great guy to be around, such a uh, – uh, just an easygoing guy and, and um, you know uh, – it's been a privilege to see probably one of the best defensive players in college football since the great RIP late Derek Thomas uh, for the Crimson Tide as well. He was the I, – I feel like he was the modern-day Derek Thomas and just with the way he was able to be so disruptive. Yeah. Um, it was something I didn't really touch on earlier. Uh, that you kind of you brought to you kind of jogged my memory about is getting double and triple teamed on every play, not every play, but a lot of plays, kind of limiting his impact stats that can actually be measured and seen in numbers, creates opportunities for the other players. It also takes away from their ability to create plays on offense for the other team. So yeah, his impact over more than just numbers and his leadership on that side of the ball. Earns him that spot. I will shout out again, Toa Toa definitely put up crazy numbers. Kept, kept bad plays from being worse plays on defense. I'll give him that credit all day. But, yeah, Will Anderson just being, you know, like you said, the Terminator, being that guy, um, drawing that attention to him did help other people open up opportunity on defense as well as limit the opportunity the offense had. So, yeah, huge impact player, huge leader, and like you said, easygoing, um, respectful leader qualities. Uh, yeah, definitely MVP. Yeah, and, uh, you know, someone we can appreciate his performance against Texas A&M, the fact that he not only had two sacks and five tackles for a loss, but it was the fact that he had 12 tackles, but he had 12 quarterback curries by himself. And, you know, he led the country in hurries as well. I think he finished the year with like 68, 69 hurries on the year. So still, even though he wasn't sacking the quarterback as much as he did last year, he was still getting to the quarterback. So – I mean, sometimes it's not sacking. Sometimes it's just affecting the quarterback and causing him to become uncomfortable to force him to do something he doesn't want to do. So, again, great, great uh, stats on the year, and uh, we're very proud of him. And now to the award I've been looking for uh, forward to the entire podcast, the Bama Factor Award. And uh, obviously the name of the podcast and the name of the page. And – just a little bit about what this award means. Uh, I kind of thought about it last night of what I wanted it to really um, to really mean. And this award embodies the player that exhibits the most toughness, grit, and heart of anyone on the team. 
a player who gets the whole team behind them and is no doubt the unquestioned leader of the team, a player who understands what it means to wear the crimson jersey and uphold the standard of the Bama factor. And you, the fans, overwhelmingly with 248 votes carrying 66% of the vote, with the finalists being Will Anderson, Bryce Young, Brian Branch, and Jordan Battle have voted Bryce Young as the Bama Factor Award winner. The first ever in the first annual Bama Factor Awards has taken home the Bama Factor Award Player of the Year here on the podcast. And honestly, you know, I feel like you could you can make an argument for him and Will Anderson being the alpha dog. As I heard Brad Nesser say it last year, the alpha dog and the alpha puppy. And um, But Bryce Young, again, so many moments – won the Heisman last year, so many decorated uh, accolades, and um, just one of the best quarterbacks, in my opinion, in Alabama football history. Um, guys, such a great attitude, such a great guy overall, high character, high class. He's going to have a lot of success in the NFL, and uh, I definitely wish him the best in the NFL and hope we get to see him and number 31 play at least one more time. Yes, sir, absolutely, and the above. Two players, the embodiment of excellence, Bryce Young winning this first award for many to come. I hope that his impact on this team radiates more than just on that field, on the gridiron with that ball in his hand. I hope the culture that he has helped further and the impact that he has had on this team just explodes into uh, future success, future uh, improvement, and just all around impacts the entire program moving forward. And it would be great to see him again, but if not, I'm glad we got to see him and Will put on for this team this year. I did too. And uh, those are your first ever Bama Factor uh, awards. We're going to jump into final thoughts. Um, outside of that, just, you know, my final thoughts are, you know, um, glad to see these awards. This was fun. Hopefully we'll do this for years to come. This will be an annual thing. So, um, and uh, I'm kind of ready to jump into early signing day, hopefully next week. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, looking forward to doing the Kansas State episode in a couple weeks. Uh, Christmas season's here, a good time to be with your family, um, and uh, just uh, still a lot to be thankful for this year, football-wise, and um, I'm I'm excited for what the future's going to hold. I'm excited to see these commits get signed and uh, see what we got coming in. This class looks motivated and ready to get on campus. I've been seeing Twitter. These guys are ready. Uh, they are um, ready to uphold the standard, recreate the standard again, uh, and I think that's what you need. I'm ready to see some coaching changes, so I'm um, really looking forward to um, – of what's to come uh so mr saxon any final thoughts before we get out of here yeah i mean i'm with you uh roll tide is always and quick real quick side note unrelated to alabama football however very much related to the playoffs michigan by 90 baby <laughs> yes sir <laughs> oh man love it love it love it love it love it um but yeah, again, guys, we thank you so much. Uh, we thank you so much for your um, for your uh, activity on the live the other night. Uh, the live the other night that lasted over an hour and forty seven minutes the other night. I got five hundred and sixteen comments on that. Appreciate you guys. A lot of good questions. We're going to do more of those. You guys have requested it. I've been getting messages from y'all all week, all week requesting that. I appreciate you guys. Cody appreciates you guys. Uh, we're going to bring more of that to you. Um, Hopefully having some special guests on the podcast soon um, and talking to uh, some uh, commits for the upcoming class, hopefully. Um, but we're going to be bringing you a lot more. Uh, thanks for your likes on the page. We engaged even more accounts last month. 
uh, than we did in October. So bravo to you guys. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for reposting to your story. I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, I know Cody appreciates that. It um, um, also appreciates it as well. Uh, we see our listeners are going up on the podcast as well. So thank you guys so much for listening and sharing. Um, and again, you have any questions, anything you want to hear on the podcast, anything you want to see on the page, any ideas you have for us, we're always open to them. Send Cody a, a um, send uh, Cody a, a text, a message, whatever. You can send me one. Get a hold of any of us. Uh, we are always happy to hear from you guys. It's all about y'all. It's all about the community. And real quick before we get out of here, shout out to my boy. If you didn't see the TikTok on my story, my boy, 405, right? Sure, absolutely. 405, it's blowing up on TikTok. Go follow Cody on TikTok. I believe, is it Saxon Vampire on TikTok or is it Saxon? So, so TikTok, it is Cody's. It's Cody Saxon Strength on TikTok. On uh, Instagram, it is Power Saxon Fit. So, um, or Saxon Power Fit. You know what? Just find me. Type in Cody Saxon. I'll pop up. Yeah, and I can repost it on my story if you guys need it. But it is on that TikTok on the story. Go give it a like. Uh, it's up to I think uh, I think view wise, it's over about three to four thousand. Hopefully now, so uh, blowing up very much. He's working very hard. We're proud of him here at the Bama Factor, uh, as always. But, guys, we love you. We will see you guys next week, early signing day, hopefully coming up. I think it's December the 16th. It might be in the 20s, maybe. But whenever it is, we're going to be bringing it to you in, with an in-depth analysis of every commit uh, for the signing class, early signing period. So we look forward to bringing that to you guys and a lot more to come. We are not done this season. Still got a lot more to bring you guys. As always, God bless. And roll time. Roll time.